Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And per tradition, at the start of every month, Chris and I shoot the flames. And that's what we're doing. That's right. And uh, I don't know, how do we want to kick this one off? Last uh, month was our extravaganza because it was our fifth year anniversary. Mm -hmm. We got two reviews, although not on iTunes. That's fine. Anywhere people can reach us and tell us things, do it. And uh, we got one from an email. From Larry, and he says, Love your podcast. Because I enjoy listening to the Film Flamers, I thought I'd check out some other horror movie-themed podcasts. I very quickly learned that your podcast simply stands heads and shoulders above the rest. You two are knowledgeable without being snobby or arrogant, teasing without being mean or cruel, and funny without being rude or snarky. If I'm going to be traveling on the road for a longer-than-usual trip, it's a pretty good bet that this podcast will be keeping me company on the highway. Plus, it's hard to stay depressed or sad with Robert's delightful laugh playing over the car stereo thank you larry the film flamers have become my must-see tv please continue with these excellent shows thanks larry m call me lestat over on patreon sent us a message and said gentlemen i should begin by saying this in a moment of inspiration while entirely fastened with the west virginia trout streams i stretched my ears to hear you and while i remain a product of my own impervious arrogance i admit you have captured not only my mind but my heart Oh, I love that. <laughs> Call me Lestat. Yeah, he's a beautiful author. And also uh, turns out to be a historian. Really? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Lestat. I will call you that. We got a lot of comments, and we're going to start with some comments from Shooting the Flames from July of 2023. Penelope over on Patreon said... You're asking who has seen all the Saw movies, and I hate to say it, but I have. I feel like I shouldn't admit that. And before you assume I'm some sort of super fan, I'm not. The reason for that was a Saw marathon with friends before the last film came out. My personal opinion is that Saw peaked early in the franchise. It all it all seems so tired now. I'm also obviously with Chris on that pit of needles. Saw 2 scarred me for life. For real. And you know what? Shit happens. We have group watches where we wouldn't watch the other things, you know, otherwise. Oh, yeah. It happens to me all the time. Yep. Um, <laughs> like X-Files. <laughs> I'm enjoying the X-Files. Good. Um, uh, yeah. So I think I've only seen the first handful of Saw movies like we talked about. And you're right. Like they did peak early, but I haven't seen the others. So I really can't say. Yeah. Maybe the time has come for me to watch some of the Saw movies. Although I seriously doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. I, you know, now they can do, you know, like a, a best of, right? There's 10 of them. Mm-hmm. So obviously they can't do a top 10, which <laughs> would be a reordering, but it'd be interesting to say, Hey, you guys have to watch like these three or something. And it might be like saw one, two and 10. I don't know. Or something like that. But you know, maybe we should do that. We should look at the, the rotten tomato scores of all of them or the aggregate scores for all of them and see like, where do they, where do they land? I'm sure saw number one is still number one. Well, I want people like Penelope can just tell us like some of their favorites. Right. I remember saw two was memorable, but saw three is where I was like, Nope, this is shit. Yeah. Saw one is really, really good. Saw two I thought was excellent. Three and four, I was just like, okay, no, I think I'm done. And you were. They seemed very one note. And I was. I was finished. Quite. Quite finished. From our Shooting the Flames in August last month, uh, Nico over on Insta said, Hey guys, I forgot to wish you all happy anniversary in August. Congrats on five years. What an awesome Shooting the Flames episode. I was so proud to be a part of that conversation. Also glad to hear that I'm not the only one who blows up your inboxes. You probably noticed that I did indeed join the Patreon family afterwards. I have been enjoying it immensely. Also, how funny is it you guys have so many fans named Nicole or some shortened version of it? Lol. Happy to be part of that club too. That's right, Nico. We are. We have a Nicole, Nicole Nikki, and Nikki, and Nico. Nico. <laughs> are three of our favorites. That's right. I like I like the Nicole, Nikki, Nico club. I want to be the treasurer of it. <laughs> but you have to change your name. Gladly. At uh, OILP. 78 over on Insta said, happy anniversary, Film Flamers. Just listen to your 28 weeks later and understand the joy for Rose Byrne. If you want some classic Rose Byrne, watch an amazing Aussie movie called Two Hands with Heath Ledger in it as well. Absolute classic. Wow. I do have to watch that. I love Rose Byrne. I know. And I like Heath Ledger too. I've never heard of this film either. Mm. Okay. We'll look it up. 
Glazed Donut over on Patreon said, congratulations on your fifth anniversary. Wow, wow, wow. This episode, okay. <laughs> this episode was amazing, just like your outtakes. I just want to say that this podcast encapsulates, encapsulates everything that I love about horror. That's why I look forward to this podcast's future. There are so many horror films out there and the top has barely been scratched. So Chris and Rob, you just have to stay working together forever and patch each other's asses up like Madeline and Helen. <laughs> I also feel that we, like listeners, get an amazing chance to participate in the podcast discussions. And in doing so, there is this cultivation of well-rounded film flamer community that newbies should join. Like a couple of other listeners, I decided to start from the beginning and work my way through the episodes, including the deep dives. There's so much content that I have a feeling I won't be bored anytime soon. I hope this makes sense and I feel the ambient kicking in and I don't want to make a fool of myself. Congrats again. And personally, I can't wait for September episodes. Well, I hope you enjoy them. Glazed Donut, they are coming. Glazed Nicole Donut. (laughs) Glazed Nicole Donut. (laughs) Thank you for that. That was amazing. I should have put that in reviews. Yes, I love your comments, Glaze Donut. Like, you have given us some really, really thoughtful comments, and they're always fun to read and talk about. So we're so glad that you are a member of that Patreon family, and I'm glad you're listening from the beginning. Continue to comment on those episodes, too. We would love to talk about that. Alex, over on Patreon, said, Congrats on the anniversary. Below, I am including the links for the ring adaptations for the rest of the class. As for the TV's movies broadcast version, it's definitely more sexually explicit. There's a scene in the beginning where the couple is very much getting down in a car, and we see the woman be fondled, undressed and exposed, and possible finger banged. You see breasts and mosaic-censored nether regions. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) And whenever they mention this character as a victim, they show her with her breasts exposed, which definitely don't do in the broadcast version. While there's still nudity in the broadcast version, the VHS version seemed like they wanted to push the envelope a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for doing all the work that we don't want to do. Yeah, He's like in it. Like he just watched something, Ringu Zero, and he was like, I think I'm taking a break. (laughs) So, um, patrons... If you head over to this episode, so Shooting the Flames August, and look at the comments, all of Alex's uh, links to where you can watch these movies are there, so you can watch them if you would like to go on that ring journey as well. Right. I think he's tagged them like in order and everything, yep. too. So. He also added the link to the audiobooks for the first two books that you can listen to on YouTube. But he's doing all the work. He's doing all the Ringu work. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> Alex Ringu Patreon. <laughs> Alex Ringu Patreon. <laughs> And that's what he's being called. Thank for you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> Bennett over on Patreon said, I can relate to your reluctance towards any kind of real celebrity. When I was younger, I wanted to be famous film director, but also had acting interests. However, doing either professionally turned out to be way too unpredictable and competitive for me. Thankfully, through events out of my control and some nudging here and there, I've ended up performing in a small town community theater for several years now. It's been a godsend for me because I can play all sorts of roles to large and small audiences and not have to worry about being a celebrity at all. I have a day job with benefits and perform at theater at night. I like to say I have a day job to make a living, but I perform in theater to feel alive. Oh I'm sorry goodness. I ended that on a Catherine Hepburn note, but <laughs> seemed to fit. You've been doing that a lot lately. Um, did we say that we were reluctant to be some kind of celebrity? There was a whole discussion about, like, um, we were joking about having a ce- being a celebrity for after five years or whatever. Oh. Something like that. Yeah, we're not celebrities. I know. We're, we're enjoying our celebrity. <laughs> so, now that we go to the grocery store, it was like, now that we go to the grocery store and someone's like, Robert, <laughs> which of these vegetables is still good to eat? <laughs> Could you explain what a Julian date is? Oh. <laughs> Bennett continued on Patreon and said, P.S. I am very interested to hear your thoughts on Salo. I first watched it several years ago, renting it from Netflix, but took a lot of courage to watch it considering the subject matter. Though it is often regarded as one of the most disturbing films ever made it can be easily misinterpreted as high art kitty porn rather than art house satire which it really is regardless it's in the criterion collection yeah it's in the criterion collection which it shouldn't be in my opinion and uh, although it, it has its place because of the the movie is famous not for its contents but because of the director getting killed after it was made and for the uproar it caused yeah i don't know that its satire is super clear Outside of just like, you know, the fetishes of fascism or something, you know, and then like the stuff in there, like if you if you watch it kind of with like a grain of salt and kind of 
uh, to keep yourself from it. Like I went in there expecting something really, really disturbing. Same. And so I kind of had, you know, a mental wall kind of prepared. I really didn't need it. Like it's, it's pretty fucking tame based on the shit that I've seen. You know yeah. I, mean? I have seen things that are way, way worse. Maybe than it was Sal's. tame before the first saw or human centipede <clears throat> or something like that. Fucking Serbian film. Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have not seen and will not see. Yeah. You know, but this was in the criterion collection. So I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see it. It seems like it's, it might be a movie that's more important than it is good. Turns out not that important, not that good. I don't recommend this movie. I'm glad that I watched it. And it didn't really disturb me either. So Yeah, I didn't find it disturbing, really. I found parts of it really gross. Yeah, you know? the idea of it gross, but like visually. Eh. Yeah, I mean, like. It was like, kind of silly. I was kind of laughing at it because it was just so over the top and stupid. We were making fun of it quite a bit. So, I mean, and I just, because I too, <clears throat> like it took some courage to, to watch or whatever. So when Chris said that he purchased it, I was like, all right, well now I'll finally get to watch it because every time I see these lists of like the most disturbing movies, right? Like it's always near the top. And so I was expecting something. I was expecting to walk away just like ashamed of myself for watching a movie or something like that. And also there's no like children in it, you know, they're obviously all like young adults, like 18 yeah. plus, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I just, I didn't think it was that great. And I didn't find it disturbing. So I felt kind of like, I felt kind of let down a little bit, but I'm glad that I can check it off the list. I was let down, but I was also kind of happy that it wasn't, that I didn't come away psychologically scarred because I still plan to watch some things that are supposed to be as important as they are good, which is like come and see. Yeah. Right. And I think that's also Criterion Collection, but maybe deservedly so this time. So we'll see. Yeah, that just seems super depressing. Which, I mean, I know. But important. Like, if it's important, like, I can abide it. And sometimes, you know, like, Schindler's List is one of my favorite movies, right? So it's as important as it is good. True. Yeah, it's pretty kind to Schindler, but, you know, whatever. It's it's historical fiction, but mostly historically true. And important. Like, come and see. And that's what we feel about Sallow. (laughs) (laughs) Not important and not historically correct. (laughs) And not one of our favorite films. From our deep dive into The Ring, Penelope over on Patreon said, I enjoyed Robert's musical introduction to The Ring, Chef's Kiss. I'm with Chris. Never even occurred to me that The Ring might be a telephone ringing. I mean, I guess I get it now, but no. I also super loved all the Suspiria Witch callbacks, including the side-by-side score comparison. I agree that Rachel isn't a very likable person, and I don't know about y'all, but any kid who calls their parent by their first name weird the fuck out of me. Mm. I am full of judgment. Re Rachel's ability to parent. I also really loved how Rachel just left Noah there for his girlfriend to find. That whole scene of her like hiding and watching the girlfriend approach Noah's place was sort of appalling. Who does that? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Ain't nobody got time for that. You call the cops. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> well, I gotta go. <laughs> Sorry about your death. <laughs> um, I oftentimes call my, my parents by their first names and they hate it. They hate it when I do that. I mean, I work in the same hospital as my mom and I refuse to call her mom at work. Yeah, I only do that like over the loudspeaker in a supermarket whenever I, I lose them and, and I get lost. Oh, no. I, I'd say my mom's first name like like last, all the time. Yeah, it was like last week, you know? Like, I'll just walk into their house and be like, hey, Paula, how are you? And she just gives me a look. And I'm just like, hmm. Do Kroger. Janice, your son is looking for you, Janice. <laughs> you lost your son. He's 40. <laughs> we found your son <laughs> wandering the frozen food section. He called. We came. He kept bothering some man about explaining a Julian date. <laughs> Who's apparently on a podcast. He has such wonderful things to show you. Okay. <laughs> From our bonus episode on... Episode? Episode? <laughs> no, I became what Janice. are you going to do tonight? <laughs> <laughs> From our bonus episode on Ringu... Alex over on Patreon said, while the American Rings protagonist is certainly more compelling character, I certainly wouldn't call Ringu's protag a Betty or Mary Sue at all, if one would use that type of term. I feel it would be more apt for Naomi Watts. What? Backwards. I feel like Riku, Riku, did start pretty capable, but as her ex was introduced and the fear of the curse manifests more, she just crumbles and loses all control of the situation for better or worse. 
Also, I wasn't a fan of how many plot twists were resolved by premonitions or other psychic abilities in this version. There's a whole final mystery beat that they they forego that's in the TV movie and the Korean version, but would have led them back to the to the aisle and the well in a more satisfying way. Instead, we get a vision from a man after rolling around with them or just suddenly realizing the phone call only happened in one place. Yeah, okay, so that wasn't in in Ringu, though. That was in, like, the other adaptions you've seen, so you have a more fully fleshed-out idea of who this character is in your mind versus, like, us, we only have Naomi Watts and we only have Ringu, right? And so Naomi Watts is an actively bad person. That is not a Betty or Mary Sue. We went at length about, you know, how we're talking about Naomi Watts is, like, a bad person like a fleshed out but bad character and that's what makes her interesting right versus the betty or mary sue who's just kind of a walking plot device mm-hmm. you know that doesn't really have a personality that's what i got from the character in ringu but maybe some of the nuance is missing because i don't speak a japanese well and i will say i agree with him because i don't i don't know that we talked we did talk about the whole every everyone seems to be psychic in this fucking version right yeah like every time we turn around someone's psychic and having a premonition blah 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 it's a little bit psychic <laughs> it's true <laughs> oh i have a new cue <laughs> i don't know like as you continue to watch these things right and it's the same character in some of these movies like compare them as well let us know what uh, those characters are like in those other versions Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, I like the VHS itself more in Ringu. I actually felt more like a weird lo-fi urban legend video and not something Hollywood produced, which did a lot of work for me. I felt the same way about the bleak and what would now be called liminal spaces aesthetic of many of the establishing shots. That said, the story being told through aggressive use of flashbacks and the last act were a letdown for me. Yeah, I kind of disagreed. I kind of liked the um, the more stream of thought, the stream of consciousness video from the Hollywood version. Uh, with the, I mean, they're both films, right? Uh, from the American version. But in Ringu, it does feel a little bit more student film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also much, much shorter. It is much shorter. And more just like really impressionist. And so I, I both have merit and both are very different. But for like for the it works for the American version and this one works for the Ringu version. I like the American one better. I just I mean I, I like the longer I like I like the length of that one better. I don't mind it being longer. Plus it I also ties back it was, everything and it ties back to things that are going on in the movie the entire way through. Which I that's love. right, yeah, and it's like a puzzle that you're piecing together from that film. And also it's just creepier to me. Like it just I'm more scared watching the American tape than I am the Japanese one. Yeah. So well, it's subjective. It is. Those especially, since they're so, like, you know... Avant-garde. Avant-garde. Yeah. I feel like that entire franchise is very subjective. There's so many different versions from so many different countries and things like that. I mean, it just depends on maybe where you're from or your taste in film, essentially. So... From our deep dive into Prey, Jessica over on Patreon said, Loved this movie so much. It was so redemptive from all the previous dumpster fire, craptastic versions that came out after the original. <laughs> Amen. You're here. <laughs> Rosie Red Leader over on Patreon said, Great episode. Excited to check this film out. I wanted to recommend a documentary I watched a few years back called Real Engine. It looks at films from the past 100 or so years and how they portrayed and cast indigenous peoples during that time. I was able to stream the film on Hoopla, which is a library rental streaming service for free use. Smiley face. Okay, we'll check it out. I'm interested in that. I really am. Yes. Because some of my favorite movies um, should be on that list. Poltergeist 2. That wasn't one I was going to bring up, but, you know, more power to you. Hmm? Robert Jessica Eppers. (laughs) Oh, I need to Robert Nicole Eppers. <laughs> I've already joined the club. Clearly, there should be Nicole somewhere in my name. Uh, Hoopla, you say? Free streaming service, you say? I need to look that up, too. For real. Library? Oh, my God. I'm just nerdy enough to do that. Do I have to have a library card? No. Okay. You have to have a credit card. <laughs> but it's free. But well, <laughs> you have to have credit cards for everything these days. It's fine. Uh, Alex over on Patreon said, Somehow, I'm glad this is the first Predator franchise movie I've ever watched. And you should be. Yeah. Except for, you know, obviously Predator, you know. He has yet I to feel watch. bad that you didn't see that in the 80s. Yeah. He, has, he still hasn't watched it yet. Yeah. So. Ryan King over on Spotify said, I couldn't agree more with how blown away I was by this film. I plan to rewatch it in the Comanche dub, having not known that that was an option until I listened to your podcast. Well, I'm glad that you learned something. Yay. 
okay. Because I was also, I mean, like, literally, I wanted to watch that movie in Comanche, and now I feel like I have to. I've heard it's better. I've heard it's, like, completely better. It gets, like, more tra- even more transportive. I would completely agree with that. I would, I would think that it would be. And they did some work to, like, mouth match and stuff, you know. I feel like this is one of the movies that I, I like enough to watch, like, every year, you know? And I... Yeah, I kind of want to go back to my my top list from 2022 and like reorganize just a little bit because I feel like Prey should have at least been in my top 10 that year or at least maybe closer to the top even. We should go back and do that sort of thing. I want to go back and watch Prey and Comanche. I don't watch The Mist in the black and white version. I've never seen that either. And so whenever we watch The yeah. Mist for the podcast. I have it on Blu-ray. so we can. And watch the it. 4K is coming out this year with oh, all the versions on it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Indeed. <gasps> That's how Can't we, wait. we have to do the mess soon. Yes, I'm ready. Jamie, not James over on Instagram said great episode for a f- great fucking movie. Can't wait for the other parts of this series. Keen to see how you rate predator against spray. Whoops. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't get just too disappointed because from our deep dive in predator, bad little burrito over on Patreon said, I don't even remember particularly loving this movie or anything. What I was younger, but coming fresh off of prey really revealed how my opinion of predator was propped up early by entirely by nostalgia boners. <laughs> Same propped up by nostalgia boners. Stealing yeah, that. Too, burrito. Too, yeah. Uh, Jillian over on Patreon said, I am absolutely loving the shit out of this episode. The strawberry, the pottery clay, the cinematography was poor, but I love the characters was so scared of it. When I watched it at age nine, the backstory, I just find fascinating. This is so good. Well, thank you. Thank you for loving how we loved it and also loving what we hated about it because we love what we hated about it. I mean, yeah. We had fun with Predator. Predator's great. Predator people, is good. people came out of the woodwork telling us like how shitty we were even though we took like 10 minutes to describe like how subjective it was and how maybe we will love it next time we watch it and blah 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 and we didn't even shit on it we gave it like three and a half stars yeah i think predator is a good movie i mean but like seriously compared to prey and this happens when we watch movies for the podcast i mean we if we try to watch some things in succession or some things together that are kind of grouped you have to compare and contrast these watches. This is going to happen when we talk about the Night Ryan Elm Street franchise or continue yep. to talk about it. Like not all the movies are good. And this is another perfect time to say like, it's okay to like a movie and it's okay for someone else not to like it as well. Right? Like opinions are subjective. Like we say all the time. And those, and they change even with the same people. Like this has happened on this podcast before we keep bringing up this example, but it's a great example because we talk about Prometheus and covenant. We wanted to wrap up the alien franchise, Mm -hmm. you know, and we put them over on, on Patreon and we are like, shit, these are actually good now. Like we got rid of our like expectation, you know, whatever the opposite of a boner is. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then we, uh, we actually did deep dives of them the next year. Yeah. I mean, opinions do change over time. And I mean, I, I like a lot of movies that a lot of people just don't, you know, and I've, I've gotten so used to like, when I ask people like, what's your favorite movie? You know, they, they tell me, cause I, I ask a lot of people when I meet them for the first time, like, what's your favorite movie? Who's your favorite Muppet? Is the two questions I like to ask people. Yeah. And like, they'll and always in turn, be like, what's your favorite movie? And I'll say something and they're like, oh, I hate that movie. I'm like, all right. I mean, valid. You don't. You don't have to. Good for you. Is that the best response you could have had for that question? Like, for mm-hmm. answer? Like, to say I hate that <laughs> to someone? I'm like, well, it was really good to meet you. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like their Harold and Kumar or something. Because if that was their favorite movie, I'd be like, well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> I I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really judge when people answer the question, you know what I mean? Like to me, like asking those two questions helped me sort of figure out like, who you are as a person or whatever, what your attitude or like personality is like. And that's it. Um, <laughs> from our bonus episode on Predator 2, Jillian continues and said, Predator 2 is just so bloody, entertaining, colorful, loud, trashy, but a great ride. Sorry if it offends horror buffs of certain ilk, but I'm a happy Predator 2 Philistine. King Willie, the train sequence. Predators have a conscience. Did I love Predators after Predator 2, the species? Yes. Too much? Probably. I love everything about it, too, that you mentioned. So, I mean, those are the good things. Yeah. Go Jillian. Battle Burrito said, I can't I can see how this one really would have benefited from a group watch and mind altering substances because watching it alone was a slog. It's a fun watch. 
I had fun watching this movie just because I was sort of like making fun of it and it was a wild ass ride. So poor Battle Burrito, though. He keeps missing our group watches. So he's had to watch things like, you know, Dream Master alone, too. So it's like it's not been a great experience for him to watch things alone. And I would sit down and watch Dream Master. Oh, Dream Master, not Dream Warriors. I no, would sit down and watch Dream Warriors. Okay, but it was like Predator Two, and then like Dream Master, and you know, and soon yeah. Dream Child, and you know, that's okay. Soon we'll be watching good movies again. Poor guy. Anyway, from our bonus episode into Green Room, uh, Discogavor said, "If I may, Green Room has a lot of subtle storytelling going on. Watch with the subtitles. The murderer." Watching the TV at the end is dead from an OD. Nazi Patrick Stewart had ordered Macon Blair to give the murder band janky shit so they could not be witnesses either. IRC. Oh, what is IRC? I fucking don't know. (laughs) I'm not hip. Hmm. Yeah, I'm too old to know that acronym. Let me look it up real quick. IIRC. International Integrated Reporting Council? No. Oh, if I recall correctly. If I remember correctly. Oh, okay. God, I learned something. Oh my God. I'll probably use that too. I mean, I like that movie too. And I can see where we I could have missed some subtlety. I, this is the second time I had watched that movie. But I'm willing to watch it a third time and with subtitles. Yeah, it was good enough. So, sure. Uh, from our deep dive on The Witch, Stephanie G sent us an email. She said, hello. I liked your episode on the movie Witch. As an art historian, I noticed and appreciated the Baroque-era lighting that was used throughout the movie. Actually, that time period was congruent with the production of those low-key, theatrically lit paintings. I thought that awareness enhanced the authenticity of the film. Enjoy your podcast, Stephanie. That's a really good note. It is. Because I've seen those those paintings, almost like like post-Renaissance mm-hmm. painting. I don't know what that's called. But there were all these oil paintings that were like lit with the light. Yeah. And I, and I like that it looked like a painting too. In it there. Did. And then it was like also it was like period lit, but it was also like period art lit. So it was like double entendre aesthetic. And it just gave me a big throbbing art boner watching this movie. You're which propped is why, up by your art boner? Yes, I'm propped up by my art boner for The Witch, <laughs> which is why some people really hate it because they think it's boring. And I love it. I fucking love The Witch. I do not find it boring whatsoever. And I think this is super interesting, too. So thank you for sharing that with us. From our deep dive into Fatal Attraction, Manuel over on YouTube said, Not true that Dan doesn't get punished. He does. He loses his family at some point, but he gets forgiven by his wife, the woman he loves after she almost died. How much more does he need to pay? He wasn't supposed to know Alex was so deeply mentally ill. I don't think he should... Quote, keep his dick in his pants, unquote. This is very puritanical, my humble opinion. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it's too much to ask to, you know, keep his dick in his pants, I guess, in the context of, you know, at least keep your dick inside your own family. Wait, let me recontextualize that. I don't feel like it's too much to ask to be like, okay, you learned a, a lesson and I guess paid some by, you know, venturing out of your marriage away from your wife and your child and your bunny uh <laughs> poor bunny <laughs> to fuck someone else you know what i mean like i feel like that's the the moral of the story a little bit making a i don't moral. think it's puritanical to be like don't cheat on your fucking wife that's not puritanical that's just fucking morals no it is right and the thing is is that like i don't think that we were making any sort of like moral judgment anyway we were talking about the context of what that character went through I in am. that particular movie though like he, he didn't pay as much as his wife paid yeah i mean like she was like tortured and well not really tortured terrorized i think is a better word or whatever right like or his son even or just like if you're going to do something like that vet the people better that you're going to have an affair with you know but for the context of this movie he didn't have to pay very much at all he didn't for what happened everyone around him did the bunny his child and his wife had to pay a hell of a lot more for his actions than anything else. And he gets to stay with his family at the end. That's right. Day, you know what I mean? He literally like didn't have to pay for anything. It's know? a great movie with kind of a sexist undertone. You know what I mean? So he loses his family. And so he did not lose his family in that movie. The the, only, the biggest losers in that, in that movie are the women that surround him. Yes. Really. Both of them. Because I mean, I feel like, like Alex is like a very tragic character in that movie too. Like... I don't know. Like, and it's not, our comments were not puritanical. Sorry. Nope. And that's okay. It's your opinion. So you're a humble one. 
from our deep dive into copycat. This is a blast from the past. Our very, very first episode. Glazed Donut. Hey, Glazed Donut. Over on Patreon said, I haven't watched Copycat in years and decided to give it a rewatch. I'm saddened that films like this don't garner much support anymore. To do a film like this or Silence of the Lambs today, audiences would have to suspend the belief that technology is so much more advanced than the mid 90s. Today, a copycat would do all this setup only to be caught by someone's ring cam. (laughs) It pains me to know that today's whippersnappers will never know the beautiful pain of dial-up or computers that were the size of cars, but somehow had a screen the size of a dime. (laughs) I watched the film the first time because I fell in love with Harry Connick Jr. when he was in Little Man Tate, but realized that they were going to hide his cuteness with a Gomer Pyle-like character. William McNamara was a good substitute, though, and I watched a lot of bad films in the 90s just to see that face. Here, here. <laughs> the same year Copycat was released, he portrayed Montgomery Clift in a TV movie about Elizabeth Taylor, played by Sherilyn Fenn. I've seen that movie. It's very good. And he did a decent job. It was one, He was one of those actors that was cute, probably would have had a better chance of making it big if his career was based in the 80s. I could totally see him belonging to the Brat Pack. Yep. Anyway, I loved Copycat when I was a teenager because it fit my dark personality, and now I love it more for the acting and storyline. I wish there was a movie where Holly Hunter's MJ could have mentored Jody's Clarice. On another note, have either of you seen Snow White, A Tale of Terror, 1997, a cable TV movie where Sigourney plays the evil stepmother. Yes. Yeah, I know. She was nominated for an Emmy for that role, and she makes a real meal out of her character. And a meal out of the sets. That's right. She is chewing that scenery in that. (laughs) You see it? Yeah, I own it on DVD. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I haven't seen it in years. It's Sam Neill, of all people. He dies in the first five minutes. I really, really enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I'm so glad that you went back and rewatched Copycat, Glazed Donut. And you're right. I mean, like, I think that, I think we even talked about some of, like, the dated technology in that movie way back when we recorded that episode, right? Because, like, they're just using things like floppy disks and shit like that. <laughs> just like, what? Well, I was making fun of how she made, like, how he's, like, getting the interactive videos. And I'm like, oh, that's no, right. It's, like, right up there with, like, Jurassic Park. This is a Linux system. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad that you're going back to some of our earlier stuff. So keep those comments coming, Glazed Donut. Love it. We've got some questions and such. Okay. So at Elf Ain't on Insta said, Sup, Flamers. A while back, me and my mom were watching your Aliens episode and noticed that y'all kept mentioning film and movie like they were different things. And we were wondering if they are different at all, and if so, how? This is Nikki's son. Yes. Uh, So only like casually, right? I don't think there's a literal difference. We're trying to have like an emotional understanding of how we view different movies because we could have favorite films, but we could also have favorite guilty pleasures. Some of your favorite films might not be movies that you would rate five stars, right? Right. Uh, Let's take the classic debate between Alien and Aliens, right? Alien is a better film versus Aliens is the better movie. It's a really good way to describe it. Like one is more for popcorn fun and one is more about the tense filmmaking, you know what I mean? And so uh, there's probably even better examples out there. But, you know, uh, whatever that means to you, if film is maybe a little more highfalutin versus <laughs> movie a little bit more popcorn, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the difference, but both are capable of five-star experiences. And I think that sums it up pretty beautifully. Thank you. There you go. I hope that answered your question. Bennett over on Patreon said, Hey, Tired Queens, I've been wanting to see The Last Voyage of the Demeter in theaters, but based on your star reviews on Letterboxd accounts, as well as those of other podcasts I listen to, it sounds like a bit of a disappointment. Is that so? And will you be discussing that film at some point? I don't know that we will. Um, I haven't seen it. I really wanted to see this because I'm a big fan of the Dracula. Like it can, you know, shit the bed a lot, uh, or it can be surprisingly good, you know? Um, And I'm a huge fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula in particular, which we did a deep dive on a few years back. And um, this is one of the scariest, um, most interesting parts of the book is when Dracula is actually on the ship, the Demeter. And, you know, this whole book, Bram Stoker's Dracula, is based on these diary accounts, right? Uh, Or even news articles and things like that. So it's kind of told very uniquely. And um, that was just one of the the biggest, most memorable images from Bram Stoker's Dracula that most people don't talk about is that captain like tying himself to the wheel of that ship and it coming into the harbor with all that smoke and like the wolves escaping and, you know, everyone kind of being dead in a ghost ship and everything else. 
you know? And so um, I thought maybe they're going to really do like the missing piece of Francis Ford Coppola's film here and make mm-hmm. uh, Dracula a real character, you know, like he, he was in that movie, even if it don't look or feel the same. No, it's not. It's just a sh- kind of a shitty, boring monster movie. And I hate to say that, too, because it has one of my favorite composers, Bear McCreary, I think, did the music for that. And I didn't even know that until afterwards. And I was like, oh, God, maybe now I have to go listen to that in isolation because I love Dracula scores and I love Bear McCreary. But I didn't notice. And this movie was kind of such a slog and, and I didn't really care about any characters. And Dracula wasn't very he was just basically an Osferatu with wings, you know, and didn't change him. He, he didn't have his protean nature really in the film. And I just have so many problems with it. So you haven't seen this though right like, i haven't seen it yet. so he's he's referring to my letterboxd yeah um review then so yeah sorry bennett i don't think we're going to cover that anytime soon unless we do like top 10 dracula movies and we might list it as a i don't know top five that we hate or something i don't know i mean i really really wanted to see this movie as well and um i will have a chance very easily now because it's already streaming yeah i don't know what it's on but yeah it, it went to um, streaming very quickly i would assume amazon at the very very least but it's already out of theaters yeah i'd be interested to see what you think i'm gonna watch it just for that some just people to, just really loved it like uh guillermo del toro really fucking loved Stephen it Stephen king. king loved it for some reason i don't know how much they got paid under the table but i mean we're getting to that time of year where i need to start catching up on this year's horror movies anyway for end of your episode so i mean like i will definitely watch it just for for that if i'm gonna watch a ship movie and i I, like tell people if there's like a a a ghost ship or just like a horror story on a ship uh story i'm gonna tell everyone to go watch the terror which is a miniseries Mm -hmm. i haven't seen that either fucking amazing and i'm gonna tell people to watch ghost ship no (laughs) please don't (laughs) although the first 10 minutes the the opening of that movie is good (laughs) i enjoy it and then just turn it off and then start watching the terror. Bennett also said over on Patreon, Hey, tired queens, me again. Along with listening and following your every move on Patreon, I also follow both your letterbox accounts. I was recently updating my top 10 favorite movies list. Check it out if you want. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I just added Sunset Boulevard to that list, which I'd meant to do for a while. It's such a classic, as well as a scathing satire on Hollywood showbiz. Anyway, I saw you both award this film four and a half stars out of five, and I'm curious to know what held you back from giving it a full five. Unless, of course, you plan on covering sometime soon, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Didn't we cover this for, like, a Patreon? No. You just showed it to I me. I just showed it to you. We never covered it Because anyway. it was a glaring hole in my movie watching experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we all have those. Um, yeah. Sunset Boulevard is one of my favorite, like, older, like, thriller movies. Mm-hmm. But it's not perfect. You know, it's got some, like, pacing issues, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and, you know, maybe some additions that could have been cut and some things that were a little missing. But other than that, like, it's near perfect. So four and a half. Yeah. I would say it's also near perfect. Right. I mean, I, I've probably felt a little bored at some places in it. Right. It, it belabors the point a little bit, a little. And I think that that was it. I mean, otherwise, I think it's a really good movie. Like, I feel like that day we had watched, we just sat down to watch some older films. Right. So it's Sunset Boulevard and maybe like All About Eve or something like that. The bookend is almost <laughs> annoying with it starting with the murder, ending with the murder. Like yeah. it didn't really need any of that. Like it just should have been the story about her. And I think the audience actually would have been a little bit more satisfied if the guy actually had left her. And she went into a craze and went to his girl on the Hollywood lot. Mm -hmm. But then it wouldn't have been as much of a satire. Right. And so it's kind of perfect how it is, but perfectly imperfect. So four and a half it remains, but a classic it is. But again, the next time I watch it, it could be a five star watch. That's right. Or or three star. And uh, I also follow you on Letterboxd Bennett. So I see when you rate things and I will go and check out your top list. I have. I have. So the top 10 is legit, legit, like legit, legit. Really? uh, There is very eclectic. Uh, a little highfalutin, but legit. Um, and it's, it's, like I said, eclectic. So there's some some movies on there, but most of them are like film with capital F. Okay. And so Bennett is a uh, definitely uh, someone I will be following on Letterboxd. Nice. Oh, and if you want to check him out, it's letterboxd.com slash Bennett Hunter. John Bennett Hunter. <laughs> John Bennett <laughs> <laughs> mm. We still need to open that restaurant in New Orleans. John Beignet Ramsey's. John Beignet Ramsey's. Hell yeah. It's almost time to go back to the overlook. Too soon. <laughs> it's never too Still soon. too soon. <laughs> 
Dean sent us an email and said, Greetings, Flamers from Ohio. Fourth of July weekend, I found myself in a hot tub, and one of the bears recommended the Film Flamers podcast. I've spent the week since catching up on past episodes. The Predator episode was my first time listening to an episode on release day. I enjoy the format, the recaps, the behind-the-scenes info, the thoughtful film criticism, and especially listening to you Scream Queens banter in the language of, you know, our people. Oh. <laughs> Case in point, I'm listening to the Predator episode on EarPods. I'm at work, large office, a cube farm, summer, mid-morning. I hear, quote, swabbing the decks with testosterone. I howl laughing, slapped my desk, doubled over, and sharted. <laughs> People came running to me, and I went running for the men's room, laughing all the way. May I please, please, please have your permission to add that phrase into my daily conversation. I promise to use it wisely. Well done, podcast, flamers. Eagerly awaiting new episodes and ready to support the podcast. Dean. Dean, feel free. Swabbing the decks with testosterone? Please. (laughs) Please use it. I don't think I came up with it, but I used it. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure it made me laugh. (laughs) I don't think it did. I think it was just independently funny for some some people. (laughs) I remember you saying that because we were just having a conversation about masculinity and and, and that. So I probably didn't laugh at it. But when I read this email, I certainly the fuck laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Also... You sharding. don't know. Sharding is always funny. Sharding is always fucking hilarious. People sharding or falling down, I will always laugh. Um, you don't know how happy it makes me to know that there was a gay 4th of July party with bears in a hot tub and someone said you should listen to the film flamers. Like, that's celebrity enough for me. And then tell us that we're talking in the language of our, of our people. Thank you. Oh my gosh, it just warms my gay heart. The, the cockles of my heart. <laughs> the cockles. <laughs> I'm speaking our language. <laughs> also, invite us to the next hot tub party. <laughs> really? We're bears. Ohio? July? Doesn't sound, sound too hot. It sounds a hell of a lot cooler than the fucking devil's butthole of Texas. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we'll come to Ohio. Send us an invite. Do we have any voicemails? Oh my God, we do. We have one voicemail this month, as opposed to like last month's 18. Well, we'll take one. <laughs> All right. Here it is. Hey there, Flamers. It's the Scrotus. Hey, I wanted to uh, clarify some things real quick. My Peter progeny, my son, one of my children, I have an array of children and grandchildren, in fact. I started early. Um, his name is William Washington Skinner IV, and he is the William. I am the Scrotus. That I'm just trying to clarify for it because it seems really confused um anyway uh if anybody else is out there that uh is in austin area trump card's going to be playing up there in on the 8th at kickbuck coffee just uh, a promo hey anyway hey i i don't were you guys gloomy gusses when you watched predator because uh i thought you really kind of poo-pooed on a a legendary film there and all the things that you were upset about, I thought were glorious in the movie. I thought the, the candor and the stupidity and the testosterone was amped up to 100 on purpose. Um, I think they enjoyed that. I think it was just like everybody was in the gym, but they were just out in the jungle sweating, and the sweat made their muscles look bigger, so they all thought, hey, we look super cool, uh, especially Jesse the body. Um, anyway. You guys, I, I, I totally agree with almost everything you said, but I feel like you poo-pooed on the things that were great instead of emulating them. Um, and also, this is one of those horror movies, if you call it a horror movie, the action movie, really, but the it's a gateway movie for sure. My kids love the shit out of Predator, and I think that's the audience. I think uh, pubescent boys, girls, that era, right around that time frame, that's, this is like their movie. This is their jam. So I got to give it props for that. I mean, it's, it is probably one of the gateway movies for this type of stuff. So, man, I can't talk more proud about Predator than, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the heat. Maybe the heat was getting to you. I think it, get some cold beers, wait a couple months when it's not hell outside, and uh, rewatch. We love you guys no matter what. It's, it's still fun and entertaining. Love you guys always. Hey, Scrotus out. 
Sweet dreams, babies. What did he used to call us? Something Gus's? Gloomy Gus's? Gloomy Gus's. Uh, that's right. Well, I mean, we did mention that. We mentioned that, like, we were all both kind of going through a hard time. We we're both kind of stressed, lack of sleep. We watched this movie. We spoke about for five or 10 minutes about, hey, artist objective, and maybe next time we'll be rating it highly. We brought up the whole, like, Covenant and Prometheus thing. We acknowledged all of that. And I think we also appreciated all of the things that we were also complaining about uh, kind of at the same time, right? So I feel like we spoke enough. I, I don't know what's pissing people off specifically, maybe about because um, I think we liked everything we were, you know, quote unquote, like complaining about at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's the ratings people did, did, didn't agree with, which well, we still rated pretty pretty well. Right. We didn't give it low ratings. No. I mean, what did I give it? Like three stars? Three, three and a half. Yeah. We, we rated it like, you know, it's not, you know, it's 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 like we said, it's more important. It's more of a classic than it is good, maybe from a technical or aesthetic standpoint. And I, I kind of stand by that. Maybe will I enjoy it more or rate it higher the next time? Probably. Probably, to be honest. I think we both talked about that during that, that, that recording. I just, I mean, like, and I will say, like, as far as the gateway thing goes, I think you're 100% mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Because we said that in that episode, too. I was like, I watched this movie when I was a young kid, like very young, like eight, right? I didn't really care for it. And then I watched it again as a teenager, and I liked it a lot. You know, like, and I disliked it a little bit more yeah, now as an adult. The closer to preteen, you're right. Like, the, the closer I was to preteen, I liked it more. Yeah. yeah. I just, I mean, like, honestly, I feel, and I was really excited to watch Predator again because it had been yeah. a very long time. Like, I was looking forward to this being on the docket when we put it on there. Um, <clears throat> and maybe my expectations were a little high. Maybe my nostalgia boner was a little throbby, you know, and I, I wanted the nostalgia boner to be there a little bit and it just wasn't. People don't like, you know, like we said during the episode too, we said this is some people's Walden, you know what I mean? It's going to piss people off. We knew that when we were talking yeah. about it. But at the same time, I think maybe the thing that really pissed off people the most was probably saying how derivative it was, mm. which it kind of is, but did it in a new pretty package. You know what I mean? Like, like we said, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Nothing comes from nothing. Everything comes from something. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. I I I really think that the reason that I I disliked Predator as like I did, and I really didn't dislike it. I I thought it was fun. I had a fun time watching it, and I I thought that my rating was okay. Comparing comparing this movie to Prey and watching it directly after watching Prey, yeah, is is kind of an experience. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like we watched a very, very good movie that does a lot of good things in it for a certain group of people. And just in general, it's just a really well-made movie. Prey is. And then like Predator is just not as good. It's just not plain and simple, you know, subjectively still. But yeah, well, I mean, in my opinion, in my opinion as well. So, I mean, I, th- I think that's just it, you know, but Scrotus, we still like Predator. No, and we responded to you uh, out of all the complaints that we got, which honestly weren't that many. But I mean, the ones that we did get were pretty harsh. And so, like, you were the nicest about it. And, you know, I felt like we were really nice about our review and you were really nice about your reaction to it. And so here's our response, which is still ultimately artist objective. And we're, we acknowledge then and we acknowledge now that. Next time we watch it, our ratings might be a lot higher. Who knows? Also, thank you for clearing up the progeny yeah. questions. And uh, we still love you, Scrotus. And you. if I'm ever down in Austin, and uh, or we're ever down in Austin, and Trump Card's playing, Scrotus, let us know what y'all's schedule's like, and maybe we can get down there and see you guys. Also, Scrotus, you're a granddaddy? Ooh. We've been calling you daddy this whole time. We've been wrong. Hey, granddaddy. <laughs> That's less sexy. It's still sexy. Just let's just say daddy. <laughs> we have some new patrons. We have a lot of new patrons this month. We do. Starting with Call Me Lestat at uh, Film Inferno level. Ooh, that's the highest level, isn't it? That's right. Well, Call Me Lestat, we owe you a voice recording of your choosing. No Which, one's taken advantage of that. No yet. one. None of our Film Infernos have taken advantage of the voice recording. We're going to call you guys out in just a minute and uh, I'll remind you again. Okay. Uh, Nico Allred also joined us. Hey, Nico. And Mary. And Discovior. Discogavor. And uh, Bonnie J. 
thank you guys for joining the Patreon family. We're happy to have you and we hope that you join in on the discussions and take all the polls and help us like make our content. But we have to shout out our patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher. And we're going to start with our Film Infernos. And they are? Comulostat. Kimberly. And Penelope. So you guys, we are still waiting for y'all to tell us what personalized voice recording you would like. That's right. You could use it for like your outgoing message or something. And our film flamers include Anthony, Ashley, Ben, Big Dave, Glazed Donut, Jessica, Lisa, Nikki, Rosie Red Leader, and William Skinner. But especially, call me Lestat. Call me Lestat. Thank you for joining. And guys, if you would like to join the Patreon family, like all these people, head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers, get all of our bonus content, voting polls, get episodes early, and you can chat with us and everybody else over there. Horror news. All right, Chris, you know how I feel about Taylor Swift, right? Yes, I, yes, I do. I love her deep down within my core. And the power of Taylor Swift compels everybody, including Jason Bloom, because she is releasing the Eras Tour as a concert film opening October the 13th. And that's the same day as the new Exorcist movie was opening. And Jason Bloom knows deep down that he can't compete with Taylor Swift. No one can. So he's moved that movie up a whole week. We get to see that movie a week earlier. So thank you, Taylor. Wow. Why couldn't they just like do a kind of like a Barbenheimer thing and be like the exorcist of Taylor Swift? Or they oh my God, I would Taylor totally Swift. watch that movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and do the challenge. You have to watch both. I mean, you could. I would have. I would have watched both movies. But now I can just go see the Taylor Swift concert film several times if I can get a fucking ticket. Everything's sold out on the 13th. Mm-hmm. But I want to go see it at the Alamo Draft House so I could drink heavily and be loud. There you go. Mm-hmm. You want to do that more than just the Alamo Draft House? Sure, I'd go. Okay. That's an ideal concert going experience for me. <laughs> I hate standing. I hate people and I hate loud things. <laughs> so we'll just go see the movie version. Yes. <laughs> also, it's the only way that I can see that fucking concert because Ticketmaster will not give me some sort of code. Yeah, I'll totally go with you. All right, let's when, do it. When is it coming out? October the 13th. Okay. I come back from Vegas the very next day. Oh my God. Okay. Next up, we've got Starve Acre. So the first images of Morphid Clark and uh, Matt Smith. And a supernatural full core movie has come out. So you can click the link in our show notes to check those out. It looks pretty spooky. Matt Smith, the doctor? Yeah. Oh, okay. Matt Smith from everything these days. He's in everything. everything. Game of Thrones. The and, Crown. Yeah, The Crown. Yeah. He was uh, in Doctor Who, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. He was the doctor. Yeah, he was for a little bit. Um, I do like full core. And Morphid Clark is in Rings of Power as Galadriel. And she was in that um, mm-hmm. that one horror movie that I thought ended interestingly. It really clears that up. Um, um, she was the religious bitch, and she was. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was trying to kill Elizabeth Bennet religiously. <laughs> she was trying to kill her religiously in every sense of the word. <laughs> Mod, Mod, Mod. Yes, I was sitting here like trying to think of it. I love that fucking name though, Morphid. <laughs> Is that Morphid say? Clock? Yeah. Morphid Clock. <laughs> If I ever meet that person in real life, I would just have to say the name with just that kind of inflection. Is it just Maud? It was something else, Maud. St. Maud. St. Maud. Yeah. That's right. Not like St. Jude, St. Maud. Anyway, we'll check out Star Baker. This is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I love full core, so. Down. You still need to watch that documentary. That fucking four hour, like, full core documentary. Oh, yeah. It's so carving out my time. <laughs> I do not watch documentaries unless they're at least four hours. It's literally on my list. Uh, I know. It's just, man. <laughs> I've been piecing my way through the four-hour documentary of a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and I've seen that four-hour documentary like three times at this point. Oh, my God. I just can't stop myself. Uh, so Hammer Films is alive from the dead once again. They have returned, this time with a new owner and a new slate of movies. Well, didn't they have like the Lady in Black with Harry Potter? Was that yeah? That was a Hammer film. Yes, they, they came had something out, out a couple a couple years later. Famously, too. they came out of the gate with a new film, and they 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 came out another, and then they collapsed again like a flan in a cupboard. That's right, and now they're they're back, 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 back again from outer space. <laughs> they just walked in. Put okay, that new on slate of movies. What are they doing? I don't know. Did you read the article? <laughs> I skimmed the article. I was more impressed that Hammer Films is yet again a thing. Yay! Maybe you'll read it if you check out the show notes because we're not. 
because we have to move on to Agatha, the Darkhold Diaries, starring Catherine Hahn, set for Halloween in 2024. So that's in more than a year from now, which is just shittacular. But now it's also starring Emma Caulfield, which was in the, the season of Scarlet Witch or whatever the fuck it was, WandaVision. Yeah. Right. And she's from Buffy. Mm-hmm. I loved her in Buffy. And now also Patti Lapone and Aubrey Plaza. The fuck? Yes. Can you believe this cast? My God. Catherine Hahn with Patti Lapone and Aubrey Plaza. I mean, and Emma Caulfield. Oh, yeah. God, I cannot wait for this fucking thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm totally down for this. Because WandaVision was already horror adjacent, and this is going to be even more so. I like straight into horror because she's a fucking witch, you know? So, That's right. And they're all going to be fucking witches. You just know it. <sighs> it's the return of Coven that I've been wanting, but mm. this time more marvel Yes. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe even directed by Michael Giacchino. You never know. Maybe. Also writing the music? Probably. Mm-hmm. He did Werewolves Within, which was like our five-star, one of our only five-star movies we've ever given. I loved that so much. I mean, when Marvel like dips its toes into the lakes of horror, like mm-hmm. it's just good. Yeah. It's good. And they're not afraid of being out there, like right. Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange intro entry. Mm-hmm. I liked that movie too. That's all right. Uh, Devil on Trial is a Netflix documentary that ex- explores the true case that inspired The Conjuring 3, and it's coming out in October. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in this. I'd like to see more about that. I really liked The Conjuring 3 a lot more than I thought I was going to. I've liked all The Conjuring. You know, I really want to watch The Nun because I want to see the sequel. I'd watch The Nun again. Okay. Let's there are some really list. good parts of it. I mean, it's, there's really good parts like in a sea of blandness, but mm-hmm. they're they're equally kind of spaced out cool parts i've liked a lot of the conjuring universe actually yeah i might actually rate none i think i rated like two star i think i might rate it higher this time okay because the disappointment is out of the way <laughs> so now it goes rated on its own merits well i remember when it first came out and you watched it you talked a lot about like the atmosphere of that movie yeah there's some really good atmosphere in the nun and so like i've i've always wanted to watch it i don't know why i never did but i'm really enjoying the trailers for the nun too me too I love that kind of horror where it's like mixed, like filmed, like, like the hidden stuff, like the night house. Yes. You know, I mean, it just looks, it looks good. It looks scary. Yeah. And it does look like it has a lot of atmosphere. So, I mean, like, I really need to watch the nun and then see the nun too in the theater Mm -hmm. because I I mean, like there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of horror movies coming out this spooky season, which is really shocking to me. Yeah. Where we got all the trailers like six months ago because we have a dearth of horror news and trailers it's like posters are getting released and things like that but they're all like horror adjacent or thrillers and no horror at all so it's either we've already got them or we're just gonna have a like as you like you said like a dearth and it's gonna be like the exorcist crappy remake or whatever yeah which still could turn out to be good i mean we haven't seen it yet right we're just basing all that on a trailer Mm. and we're probably gonna do some more you know first impressions based on some of these Mm -hmm. trailers That's not how our segue works when we have a sound effect for it. I know. I just wanted to do it. Coming soon. Starting with Saltburn, starring Barry Kagan and Rosamund Pike. This is in theaters in, yes, this is in theaters in November. And it looks like it could be the thriller adjacent based on the Wikipedia and the trailer is kind of interesting, but it's not really leaning into any kind of horror. So this could be a real big misplacement here, but it looks interesting. It does. It looks interesting. It looks like it looks a little mysterious. Like there's something else going on in this that they're maybe not giving away in the trailer. Yeah. It's like Barry Kagan is going to like university and then gets invited by his rich friend to go back to like, you know, his Westminster Abbey or whatever the Just fuck grand he estate. Saltbed. Come to Saltbed. Come to Saltbed. <laughs> and there's like this family there of like group of friends, including Rosamund Pike. And there's some like creepy weirdness thing happening. There's like, like some clips of almost like cultish kind of visuals. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then like the rest just seem like kind of coming of age like weirdness going on so yeah it's know. like raves at downton abbey yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially raves and yeah <clears throat> it's almost like that one movie Salper. no that one movie where they all like took drugs after dancing and and lit themselves on fire oh fucking climax <laughs> yeah it's like climax <laughs> in downton abbey <laughs> climax in downton abbey <laughs> Less French, though. 
Um, oh my God, I missed the name of the porn of Downton Abbey. Climax <laughs> of Downton Abbey. <laughs> um, this is directed by Emerald Green. No, Emerald Green is a two I colors. wish I could do a good Maggie Smith because that would have been perfect. Not like no one cares. <laughs> Ooh, the incredulator. I don't know. <laughs> this is directed by Emerald Fennel who directed Promising Young Woman, a movie that we were looking forward to watching. And I liked, okay, when I watched it finally. Um, I thought there were interesting parts to that movie, and there seems like there's some interesting parts to this too. Promising Young Woman? Yeah. Yeah. I liked Promising Young Woman. I yeah, I, it was a hard pill to swallow at the end, but you know, yeah. sometimes you get over that, like the mist. But it was like really, really good. Like <laughs> we've talked about the mist a lot in this episode. Apparently, we need to go right downstairs and add that to the docket, like immediately. <laughs> Apparently, we need to fit it in. Um, uh, this movie like seems like what? <laughs> <laughs> we need to fit it in, like they did in climax. Down. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so they don't fit it in the climax of Downton Abbey. They they shove it in and that movie. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> Also, I don't want to think about Maggie Smith in, in, in the same way that I would think about porn. Like, I just, because now I have a really weird mental image in my oh. head. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I feel like a Downton Abbey porn would be like that. Have you seen that joke in Family like Guy? I'm on stage at the theater. <laughs> Just like two British people. And he's like, you know, Margaret, we could be having sex right now. And she's like, yes, but let's not. No, let's chant. That's what British porn is like or something. <laughs> we could be having sexual intercourse right now. Poor things. Speaking of which, <laughs> the next movie we have to talk about is called Poor Things. Uh, this is directed by Yorgos Lathimos, which is uh, the director of The Lobster and The Favorite. I loved The Fucking Favorite. Uh, the Favorite was amazing. Yeah, and this stars Emma Stone, like The Favorite, and Mark Ruffalo and William De- Willem Dafoe. And this is in theaters in December. And I don't know. It looks like it has some like weird German expressionism and Frankenstein vibes to it, mm-hmm. but also kind of a Wes Anderson thing. So I don't know quite where to put this on the genre. It looks very genre bending to me. It does. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what people are going to say about this. It looks really fucking hilarious. It does. It looks good. Like Emma Stone, I just love. I think she's enjoyable. And every time she slaps somebody in this trailer, I laugh. So like I'm down for this. Willem Dafoe, I'm sure, is going to be amazing as always. Yep. He's got some cool like face makeup going on in this. Um, And I mean, I think this director is just really, really good. But it's right. It's like Yorgos Lanthimos made a Wes, Wes Anderson movie and like threw in some like German expressionism is yep. what it looks like. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm down for it. The last trailer that we're going to talk about is for a movie called The Killer, which is directed by David Fincher and starring Michael Fassbender. It will be released in theaters limitedly in October and is coming out in November on Netflix. That's right. And so this is a movie, uh, of course, David Fincher has always flirted with horror, been right outright in it. And Michael Fassbender, of course, same thing, you know, yeah. and I love that they're teaming up. The Killer, uh, I think, is based on a book, right? And um, is based on a, an assassin that starts having, like, mental problems <laughs> while Just being an assassin. Never good. So that story, uh, you know, we've seen him do mental illness before and like um, Fight Club mm-hmm. and some other things. And uh, we've seen him do interesting things with like killing and, and, and serial killers and assassiny type of stuff for sure with Zodiac and other things. And so this promises to be just based on the talent alone to be extremely good. And of course, David Fincher's having this you know multi-year love affair with Netflix. Yeah. Just like from the beginning, actually. From House of Cards all the way through like Robot Love Death Kill and or whatever the fuck it's called, Love Death Robots. Mm-hmm. Uh and everything else he's done over there. <clears throat> Mindhunter. Mindhunter, yeah, which I wish would come back. Please. Um, and this is like two pieces to like the alien franchise, like degrees of separation, right? David Fincher and Michael Fassbender each yeah. doing different alien movies throughout that franchise. Mm-hmm. So what a good pairing. I'll be watching that, I'm sure. I like David Fincher. I like his films. Well, I think that just about wraps up September's Shooting the Flames. As always, we would like to read your comments and respond to them. So send those comments, questions, 
all the things to us on social media at the Film Flamers on Facebook, Instagram, X, Threads, all the places. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Call us and doubt in my abbey. Climax in my downtown abbey. abbey. (laughs) I'm like racking my brain thinking what we talked about. Anyway, uh, catch us over on our deep dives this month because we're doing some interesting things. That's right. Uh, We will be continuing our conversation into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise by talking about parts three, Dream Warriors, and four, Dream Master. That's right. And over on Patreon, Dream Child. That's right. We are wrapping up this franchise, except that we're going to have to continue next year. For Freddy's Dead and Final New Nightmare and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That's right. So, and probably whatever's left we'll do on Patreon or do a poll. It took us four years to do the Alien franchise and three years to do A Nightmare on Elm Street. A Nightmare on Elm Street has way more movies. <laughs> well, <laughs> we are just blowing through them. Yep, we are. Like we said earlier, guys, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers and join the family. Get those bonus episodes like our episode on the Dream Master and help us create future content by voting in polls. And we would like some more reviews. We like to read those on Shooting the Flames. Head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you like us. We'll read that. Or just find a way to get in touch with us and we'll read that on Shooting the Flames as well. Well, Robert. Yes, Chris. I need to go and uh, crawl into my Downton's Abbey. And I need to just climax. (laughs) (laughs) No, hopefully we can do those things with our sweet Sweet dreams. dreams. I'll have them after climax. Um, And maybe afterwards we can make grammatical sense. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Just maybe. (laughs) Okay, sweet dreams. Dig. 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 (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.